I'm over here now. Pardon the interruption, no need for introduction. It's the drunken monk. Turn this shit up a little, son. My bucket up in smoke, sipping Bacardi till I'm giving my car keys to Jimmy Ferrari, and we out. About to go jump in a mosh pit full of hundreds of hot chicks saying something obnoxious like I gotta put my foot in your ass permit When I'm done I'll cook you in a Brooklyn blast furnace Welcome to a bonus mini episode of the Brooklyn Blast Furnace podcast live from the All-Star Comic Con at the Sheridan Tyson's Hotel in, where are we? We're in Tyson's Corner, Virginia and I am sitting with the awesome, introduce yourself, buddy. Hey, everybody. This is Tim Capello from the Lost Boys. The sax guy. The sax guy. The sax dude. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, I appreciate your time. Um, even though we'll just, we'll just do it quick. I'm not going to hold you pleasure, hostage here. Um, so... Where would you like to start? Would you like to talk about a little bit before, I mean, your early career, like before Tina Turner, where you grew up real quick, briefly? Get, give the listeners just a, a quick, brief synopsis All right. of the man I'm sitting here with. You got it. Well, I grew up just outside New York City. Okay. And uh, my father was a trumpet player and a conductor. Okay. And he had a music school. So by the time I was three or four, I was running around the music school, banging on the drums and playing the piano and trying my best to get good sounds and he would always help me and and tell me you know the proper way to do stuff so I grew up around music there was never any choice for me I always knew what I wanted to do so you knew that from early on early early, early. that was your calling that's, that's awesome it. He, and and my father you know that's the Sicilian side of the family hey. so there was no way that I wasn't going to be a musician, even right. if I didn't want to. So thank God I wanted to be one. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Because <laughs> awesome. I would have been a reluctant one anyway. Right. But then, I um, not that I'm recommending this to anyone, <laughs> and you can cut this out if you want, but I dropped out of high school. So did I. Did you? Yeah. Okay, so we're cool. Yeah, we're all right. All right. We're not telling anybody to do anything no. they don't want to do. We're but just telling our own knew, stories. I always knew what I wanted. I always knew that I was going to be a musician. So I wanted to spend all my time uh, practicing, playing, learning different instruments uh, from the time, you know, so when it came time to maybe join the school band, I thought that was kind of corny. So I we had our own bands and we always grew up, you know, playing in bands. And you got a what is that a drumstick? Oh, it's yep, that's a lightning rod. She, she got a Harry Potter wand. Oh yeah, that's what that is. Very cool. Yeah. Um, so I I I dropped out because our, our bands were playing a lot of gigs. Right. And uh, like I said, I knew what I wanted to do, and I got into the New England Conservatory of Music up in Boston uh, at an early age. So I got my GED and got in, and uh, but then uh, a friend of mine, a great, great drummer, he, um, he's played with so many people, uh, named Jerry Murata. He, he got me into Peter Gabriel's band, 
and his brother's also a drummer. He got me That's into right. you, you, you played on a Peter Gabriel record. Oh, yeah, yeah, the second one. You know the one where he's scratching the sky? Yes. That Robert Fripp produced. Wow. So I did a tour and a couple of singles. And, uh, did you get it? Yeah. And, a, um, and, a, and an album. And uh, we had a ball because he was, he's just awesome. Yeah. He's just amazing. But even just to go back to like 18, 19, I, um, I dropped out of school because these drummer friends of mine, they said, oh, we got a gig for you if you feel like moving back to New York. So I said, well, that's the best way to learn right. is to actually get on stage, play with uh, some people. And one of the first gigs I ever did uh, well, you're a Brooklyn boy. Yes, so I am. This was, I don't know if you remember my father's place out on Long Island, but that was one of the big clubs in the 70s. And um, I was playing there, and there was a comic opening for the group I was playing with. And um, he said, would you, I was the piano player mostly in that gig. And he said, would you like to come and play some piano um, while I'm doing my comedy routines? And we'll just see what happens. And it worked out really good. And uh, his name uh, turned out to be Billy Crystal. Wow. So that was my first gig where we played. And it, and that was so much fun because we were just, just him and me were like touring all over the country. Oh, that's and awesome. And he just had me cracking up day and night, night and day. We had such a good time. Oh, that's great. And I did that till, remember that old show Soap? Yes, I so do. So he moved out to Los Angeles. So when he did that, I stayed in New York and then decided to get with some other groups and um, played with, let's see, well, Peter Gabriel, as I said. But before that, um, I was playing at a tiny little club in the city. And uh, I don't know if you ever heard of a guy named Eric Carmen. I'm he had that sure. song all by myself all by myself yes right? i know the song but not the individual yep he did that and before that he had a group called the raspberries okay and they had a song called go all the way that was a, that was a big hit for them and um and and his manager saw me playing in a club so i flew out to la for the first time boy that was like wow <laughs> i thought i hit the big time of course right? and um we had a we were on a tour and um and we were opening for hall and oats wow and uh and then but he 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 didn't like the road i think he'd had too much of the road so he he cut that one short but i just kept playing with different people different people carly simon asked one me of to play my favorites band. oh yeah she a favorite of yours love carly simon she is just you know that she wrote that song you know the spy who loved me baby you're the best sure. she wrote that about me <laughs> just saying just <laughs> well, so everybody knows that oh, now just so yeah that's fun right. facts <laughs> <laughs> so she it was really fun playing in her band because that was really a band of just like New York City's greatest session musicians. Yeah. People you might not necessarily know their names, but if you look at all the people that they played with or produced, it, it was that was an education. I mean, um, there's a drummer named Omar Hakim who went on to play with Weather Report huh. and do all these like great. He's a 
celebrated jazz drummer, played with Sting when he got his jazz group. He was 17. This was his first gig ever. Wow. So I was so lucky to play with all these great people. But then, um, after Carly's gig, then, like I said, my friend Rick Marotta, the drummer, the brother of the other guy I played in, in Peter Gabriel's band with, he, um, Tina Turner's manager, uh, he was, you know, a well-known drummer, so he said to him, do you know anybody that, first of all, do you know a sax player, and do you know a keyboard player? And he said, well, I know a guy that does bolts, so you can save yourself some money. Nice. So, you know, these guys, everybody loves to save money, so I got that gig, and when I was with Tina, when I first started with her, it was before she hit. So we were playing McDonald's conventions. I'm sorry. Do, maybe I might have to take a little a break for a second. No problem. Let's pause. And we're back. And I think I was saying how I got the gig with Tina was a friend of mine uh, named Rick Morata, a great drummer. You'll hear him on Steely Dan records, the classic ones. You'll hear him on with Aretha Franklin, James Taylor, everybody. And he, I just happened to be going to school with these guys. And I think I, like I said, Tina's manager wanted a keyboard player and a sax player. And he said, well, I know a guy that can do both so you could save yourself some money. So huh. they said, sure, no problem. And because he was such a great player and gave me, you know, the thumbs up, what happened was at the time, Tina was sort of, it was just before What's Love Got To Do With It became a hit single. Wow. So she was actually playing McDonald's conventions, tiny little casinos, little tiny gigs. Right. And this, now this song was starting to climb up the charts, but we still had to do all these little tiny McDonald's conventions. Right. So that's what I spent the first six months doing, getting her contracts, you know, fulfilling her contracts. Right. So then we went from doing gigs for like a hundred people to like twenty thousand. That's crazy. In about three months. Really? Yeah. It was it was nuts. That's awesome. Though. It was nuts. It must have taken it must have taken you back. Like what the hell is happening? Talk here? about luck. Yeah. Right? Sometimes you just step in it. Yeah. And the other thing that I didn't really think of at the time was this was 1984. So this was when MTV was really like a big thing. Sure. It was a huge thing in everybody's life. It was it was as if there was only one radio station. Sure. And so, because she was one of the darlings of MTV, people were looking in the back of her, and they were saying, who's that crazy guy back there? Right. So I started getting calls to be in TV shows and movies. Awesome. And things like that. Miami Vice. Miami Vice. <laughs> um, you know, just, just people would say, oh, you want to come do this? You want to come do this? I didn't know anything about acting. Right. But I just said, I'll give it a shot. Yeah, why not? And um, so I was auditioning for the uh, Gary Busey part wow. in uh, Lethal Weapon. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and of course, I didn't get it. Gary Busey got it. But a guy walked in, 
This was at the Warner Brothers lot. And a guy walked in and said, hey, you play in Tina Turner's band, don't you? I said, yeah. He said, come with me. And we walked down the hall, opened up the door. There was Joel Schumacher sitting behind his desk. Wow. And he went, wow, Tim. Like he knew who I was. Matter of fact, he had my picture on a wall. Really? Yeah, so he said, you know, I still believe I didn't write that. That was originally written by a guy named Michael Bean, who had a group called The Call. Okay. And they released it first. And he and Joel Schumacher loved that. He loved the kind of prayer quality to it. And they actually were kind of a Christian band. Okay. So he asked them to do it, but they, um, I guess they didn't want to be in a vampire movie. Yeah. At least that's my guess. Yeah. So I just walked in and he went, so you want to be in a movie? Want to sing a song in a movie? I went, sure, why not? Yeah, why not? So we shook hands on it. He said, I'll be in touch. And, um, and maybe about two weeks later, uh, I went in and recorded the song. And, um, and then about a month after that, went up to Santa Cruz. We record, you know, we filmed the scene. Only took about two hours. Really? It was so quick. I mean, if you've ever been on a film set or TV set, you know that it takes so long to do the tiniest little thing. Yeah. This was just like one take of everything. Boom, 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 boom. Wow. Everybody there, you know, like that crazy crowd. Of course. Where they're all like head banging. Yeah. And the fire is going on. The and fire everything. in the drum, uh, the oil drums. He. That was all just real. If you've ever been to Santa Cruz, California, and I'm going on tour this summer, and I booked a club in Santa Cruz. Ah, uh, awesome. So, it really is that town. It's like, in the 80s and still now, it's like a hippie, slacker kind of t little town. Huh. It's just the coolest place. Yeah. And so, those people went to that, those, those people that were in that scene, you know, dancing and messing around and yelling and screaming. They do that every night there. Yeah. They just go to the pier and that's it. They, they that's, go off. And they just, whatever band's playing there, they're just, so that was just another night for them. So did you, did you, I mean, obviously, did you have the wherewithal or the foresight to even realize that that the, the, the small role that you did have in that movie would become such an iconic piece of pop culture? Zero. Of course not, right? Zero. Isn't that crazy? You just get up there, you do your thing, you do your best, and, and you it's just, just a day. give it all you got, and then you go home. Yeah, it was right? just a day. It was a couple hours out of one of your days. That's it. And when you think of, you know, I was in Tina's band for 15 years. She was like my whole world. You know, she like that band and touring every day, every night, a different city every night, two hours, two and a half hour gigs every night. That was my whole world. This thing never occurred to me. And I have to tell you, it didn't really occur to anybody else till just a few years ago when Saturday Night Live did that parody. Right. When John Hamm played the Sergio character. <laughs> so then all of a sudden, out of that, 
all of my friends who I play, you know, that's what I, this is what I do for a living. I play the saxophone and sing for a living. Right. So I'm just doing little local gigs and, you know, little stuff, concerts and all kinds of stuff. And, How's it going, man? Hey, man, how you doing? Good. It's okay. All right, all right. Want to take a sign this for me? Sure. I saw that in front of you, man. All right. Let's see now, how can I do this? I think black is good. Yeah, I think that'll work. Um, can I personalize it to you? Yeah, Ryan. R-Y-A-N? Yes, sir. <laughs> That's awesome. Gorilla podcasting people. Awesome. awesome. Thank you so much, man. All right, my Everybody. pleasure. All righty. So, uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So, so in other words, I would go and do these gigs, and all of a sudden, everybody started coming up to me, going, "Did you see this thing? I think they were making fun of you on Saturday Night Live." So they were like, you know. You, sh you should check it out on YouTube or something. And when I, when I saw it, I loved it. I didn't think they were making fun of me at all. I, I thought, wow, who gets to have John Hamm play them? Sure. And I just thought it was like exactly what I wanted. Because when I did the thing in The Lost Boys, I wanted it to be like over the top. You know what I mean? I wanted it to be like, like funny yeah. and fun for people. You know, I didn't want it to be some like metal, violent, I, right. I really wanted it to just be fun. Right. And and so the fact that they were having fun with it, but then ever since then, now that like the people, when I did it, I was in my 30s, when I did it, now it, it didn't really seem to, to me, it wasn't getting back to me right. if it meant anything to anybody. And then when I was their father's age, it didn't seem to mean anything. But when I sort of turned their grandfather's age, <laughs> that's when all of a sudden people were like coming up to me all of a sudden and like recognizing me and asking me to do these conventions and shows and stuff. Yeah. And I'm getting people coming, grand, you know, grandparents, parents and little kids that's great all of whom are fans of the show yeah i mean which is kind of yeah. like you yeah you know you're you you, I mean, you and, told me before your daughter you told me before that i have like a very very limited edition item that you were selling <laughs> i have a bottle of the saxy body oil it's on my dresser i don't use it i just leave it there it's a conversation piece i can't make them anymore because i'd get on the plane and we'd get off we'd get the we'd get the um suitcase back from the carousel go back to the hotel and all of them would be busted from the pressurized of cabin so until i can find something that's bulletproof right so you've got a very rare collectible how how, how how often were you selling them oh Not man you know what i i i really they weren't like enormous sellers right but they were like such a cute thing to have yeah. on the table of course everybody would go oh man this is awesome and then just put it back down right you you 
got the joke. Of course I got you the got joke. You got the joke. Most people don't really get the joke. <laughs> and people that do, they're like, eh, I don't know if I can go this far with it. You yeah, know? no, I went, I went all the way. I don't <laughs> you're care. Like pretty rad you're a pretty <laughs> radical guy, I can tell. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, tonight you're going to be performing here. Yes. Awesome. This is the first time at a convention that I'm going to be performing uh, a full set of material. That's great. Are so, you gonna? Are you gonna do play? Of course, you're gonna play. I still believe. I'm gonna play. I still believe. Absolutely. And um, I've got. It's sort of a multimedia show, so I don't want to give too much away. Okay. But um, I'm gonna teach everybody how to do a very important dance from the movie. All right. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> well, listen. I don't want to. I don't want to hold you hostage here. But I appreciate your time. You're the best, Tim. Thank you, buddy. Thank you so I much. Will be, I will be seeing you later on tonight and for the rest of the weekend as well. All right. And uh, with that, do you have any social media, Instagram, any absolutely, of that Absolutely, absolutely. Anybody can just like, it can just Google my name. My Facebook page comes up first or second. Okay. And um, this summer, 2019, yes. I'm touring all over the country. And I'm promoting my new album, which is called Blood on the Reed. And it has a brand new seven minute version of I Still Believe on it. Awesome. That I'm going to be performing tonight, as well as all kinds of classic songs from the uh, great golden saxophone era. Awesome. So, everybody, you heard the man, follow him, get, you know, get his stuff, support this guy because he's awesome. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Thank you again for your time. <laughs> All right. We're over here now.